The King truly is coming, and we gather to celebrate, to be encouraged, and to look forward to the day of Jesus' second coming. As we prepare to hear God's word for us today, let's again go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we thank you for all the ways that you encourage and guide us. Father, we are grateful to be able to gather with your people, to share in fellowship, to praise you together, to bring you our shared praises. And Father, we are grateful now that we get to hear your very word to us. Lord, today help us to hear what you have to say to us here and now. Help us to learn more, and we pray too that you transform us to become more and more like you even through these few minutes that we spend together hearing from your word. Amen. Before we read the text this morning, I want to give you a little bit of a map for where we are in terms of sermon series here at Faith. As Jim mentioned, we've been trying to get these songs together during the Revelation series, and it didn't quite work out, but we thought it'd be a great way to transition from the Revelation series into this series on Luke. Those songs that we just heard and and the book of Revelation as we read through it, the last couple chapters we worked on especially, give us this big cosmic picture. And it is amazing and wonderful. The king is coming and we will be with him forever. The Lord is drawing us up to the center of the universe where all will be made right. And that is the eternal, the foundational, the real hope that we have. Jesus is on the throne at the center of the universe, and he is at work for us. So that's, that's the destination. But today we have today. And tomorrow we'll have tomorrow. And we'll have to cut the grass, and we'll have to deal with our annoying neighbors, and we'll have to do all of these things day to day. And so we need not just that vision of forever, but we also need what do we do next? And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be working through a sermon series called Follow Me that that helps us to think about what we do next. It'll be a sermon series working through Luke 9, 1 to 50. I picked that text because it's a pivotal, pivotal series of stories in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus really shows his disciples more of who he is and really invites and equips them to serve him in much more profound ways. This is a season for us to... Well, this is always the right season, but for us in particular, these next few weeks, it's a season for us to be invited deeper into knowing who the Lord is and invited deeper into serving Him. Let's read from Luke chapter 9. We'll read from verse 1 to verse 9 as we begin this sermon series this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus had called the twelve together, He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John, 
Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. This is the word of the Lord. So in the sermon today, we're going to try to answer three questions based on this text. First, what does Jesus give us? Then what does Jesus expect of us? And then who is Jesus for us? So what does Jesus give us? What does he expect of us? And who is he for us? Let's jump in. When I was preparing for ministry, I had a mentor who was in a mission position, and we had any number of conversations over the years, and, and a couple times he told me something like this. You know, Matthew, people are going to be really excited to see you go into ministry, and especially into something missions or outreach focused. They, they really have a heart for that. They're excited to see young people especially step into that. But the thing is, the thing is that they will automatically expect that you will fail. They will appreciate your attempts to reach out to the world. They will appreciate your attempts to bring the gospel to the unreached. But they will just assume very nicely and politely, and they will never say it to your face, but they will just assume that you will fail. It's too much. It's too hard. We just can't do it. You ever feel like that about about ministry? You ever feel like that about the church's work? You ever feel like that about missions? You ever feel like that about your own life? That you know that you'll try, that you know that well, you'll do your best given the circumstances, but, but you know that your spiritual life will never be everything you want it to be. And especially when it comes to, to proclaiming the gospel and doing some of those things that we all know that we should do but that are so hard to do, Do you ever feel like you start out, but you just know you're going to fail? And if we're going to be honest with each other and honest with ourselves, that's part of the Christian life. It's certainly part of of being in vocational ministry that that there's there's this standard that we know we will never live up to. We don't do enough. We chicken out. We do it wrong. We mess up. And that's certainly part of the story. And so then we have this this question of why do we even bother? If we know we're going to fail, why do we try? How do we dare? How do we dare to, to sit here this morning or to walk out of here this morning and say, yes, we're going to follow Jesus. Yes, we're going to be his people. And yes, this isn't going to be just for us, but we're going to share this. How do we do that? And the answer Well, the answer to that question leads us to another question. The question is, what does Jesus give us? What does Jesus give us? And Jesus gives us his power and his authority so that we can dare to follow him. In this text, Jesus calls the 12 disciples together. He calls calls his 12 closest followers, and he gives them his power and his authority. And there are all kinds of words that Jesus could have used, that Luke could have used. And and it's significant that Jesus doesn't just tell them to go out, but he actually gives them his power and his authority. And and the word for power there is the word we get dynamite from. Dunamis. Explosive power. Power for everything you need. And the word for authority has a few uses, but it usually gives this sense of, of royalty or acting on behalf of royalty. 
Jesus calls his disciples together and he sends them out, but he sends them out with a stick of spiritual dynamite or a crate of spiritual dynamite. And he says, here you go, guys. You got the power. You have the commission. You have the authority. Now let's hear some spiritual explosions, huh? And then he tells them to go out and, well, and to cause some spiritual explosions. He gives them power to cast out demons. He gives them power to heal every disease and to go out and to proclaim the good news. And notice the parameters Jesus gives here. He doesn't just say, here's a crate of spiritual dynamite. Go out and have fun. He says, here is my power and you work in my authority and go out and do what I command you to do. And then Jesus gives another set of instructions to his disciples. And and these are not universal instructions, but here in this text, they're very clear. He tells them to go out with nothing. Don't take anything else. Don't take a staff. Don't take a suitcase. Don't take any food. Don't take any money. Don't even take a jacket. And when you come to a different town and go from town to town to town, when you come to any town, just stay in whatever house you come to first. Whatever it's like, just, just stay there. And proclaim the gospel. And after you've been there for a few days, move on to the next town and do the same thing. And and the point is not that we should never plan. The point is not, as some people have taken it, that in every act of missions or every act of church, we should just jump in and not do any planning or preparation or have any reserves or, or anything like that. That's not the message here. There are other places in the gospels, other places in the New Testament where there's a lot of planning and strategy and developing of resources. But here, when he initially sends out the 12, Jesus is saying all of that comes later. What comes first is depending on me. What comes first is going out in my power and my authority. And the point here, I think, is that there is only one way to succeed in doing the work of Jesus Christ. Only one way. And that way is to do the work of Jesus in the power and authority of Jesus. And that's one of those things that I say and you probably go, yeah, that's kind of trite, that's kind of obvious, isn't it? But do we really function that way? And the answer for a lot of churches and a lot of people is that no, we don't function that way. We depend on our own abilities or our own charismatic great personalities or maybe for some of us we depend on our careful orderly thorough planning or maybe some of us just wing it and we we trust to our improvisational abilities and think it'll work out but but we in all kinds of ways want to depend on something else besides jesus power and authority And if we are depending on anything besides Jesus' power and authority, we will fail. We might even succeed, as some churches have, in in having huge numbers and lots of good things going on. but, But if we are not working in the power of Jesus, then we are failing to really serve in his way. And God is still gracious. He will still work with us. But if we are not beginning and ending with dependence on him, we are not doing his work in his way. And so a question for us as we, well, as we think about our congregational meeting, as we think about our ministries, as we think about our own Christian lives, what are we depending on? 
what are we comfortable with? Are we comfortable because of what we do? Or are we secure in the power and authority that Jesus has given us? And once we are secure in that power of authority, then we have to ask, what does Jesus expect of us? And what he expects of us is proclamation and healing. And in Luke 9, what happens is genuine proclamation and healing. The first five verses of Luke chapter 9 are Jesus giving all these instructions to his disciples. And then there's one verse. And it's just one verse, but it's an incredible verse that that the apostles go out. And if you've read the Gospels, you know these are kind of confused, dumb, little bit helpless guys. But they go out and they proclaim the good news and they heal people. And they go from village to village. And this is not like a one-time, five-minute event. This is day after day, week after week. They go from village to village. And the text says they heal people everywhere. Jesus has developed this reputation of being a great teacher and preacher. And people are gathering to hear him. But, but now it's like he's multiplied himself by 12. And did you hear about John over there and how he healed that guy? And James, over there, he's doing this. And Peter's in this other village, and and everything is happening everywhere, and this is amazing. Did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? The apostles are wildly successful in this mission that Jesus has given them. And Luke gives us just one verse, but again, what a verse it is. The the disciples go out, and they blow up the countryside with, with proclamation and healing. But that maybe is a challenge for us too because we don't too often hear about, hear about the different cities in DuPage County or the different neighborhoods in Chicago just getting blown up with the good news of the gospel, do we? And to be honest with you, we don't really expect to hear it, do we? I have a friend who's a pastor and he was to visit a nursing home a few months ago and he, he showed up and And with COVID and such, you sometimes kind of have to argue your way into a nursing home because visits can be quite restricted. And and so there was a little bit of back and forth, and the receptionist realized that he had a church shirt. I said, oh, you're a pastor. Well, yes, I'm a pastor. Does that make a difference? Well, of course, you're welcome. Come in, just sign the thing, and, and you must be here to perform a healing, right? Whoa, that's some heavy expectations to lay on somebody. I'm here to heal? So my friend kind of backs up a little bit and says, well, um, uh, I didn't quite know what to say. You don't too often show up as a pastor and have people start proclaiming, it's time for some healing up in here. Let's go. And if I visit you in the hospital or Pastor Dave visits you in the hospital, you probably shouldn't expect us to start off by healing you, right? That's, That's not often how it works. We don't usually have a lot of put your hand on somebody and right here, right now, they are healed. And maybe that's a problem for us. Maybe sometimes it would be nice if we could back up what we have to say with the gospel with with some sort of miracle, some sort of whammo, there you go. And it seems like there are still times and places where God might work that way. It seems like when, when the gospel first comes to an area, there are there are times when God works in remarkable ways. I know a, a number of people who were working in missions, and they'd have this strange thing when they were first learning the language that, that they would often, and I, God must have a sense of humor because this happens really often, a missionary would end up in a place where they didn't speak the language yet, and there wasn't any translator, and so they could sort of mumble through hellos, but they couldn't really preach. And, and yet the people say, well, get up and tell us what you have to tell us. 
can't speak your language. Try. And then the missionary gets up and all of a sudden the words just flow. And they're able to talk about Jesus and they're able to to speak in ways they could hardly even understand themselves. And, And they tell exactly what these people need to hear in terms of Jesus died and Jesus risen for you and it's amazing. And often the missionaries go home and think, I finally turned the language corner and the next morning they wake up and all they can do is say hello again. But there are these strange moments where God God seems to work in particular ways when the church is first coming into an area. But for those of us who live in an area where the church is established, we don't see that much. And the reason, the reason is because we are the miracle. The church gathered and the church on mission is truly a miracle of God's power. Without God's miraculous supernatural work in each of our lives, absolutely none of us would be here. So when we gather week after week and, and we gather and we sing and we pray and especially we hear God's word proclaimed, especially when we hear the Bible read and preached on, we are all experiencing something supernatural. No credit to me, but what is happening right now as God speaks to us is miraculous in a sense. And then as God works in us, well, He does work to heal. And He doesn't work usually through the whammo kablamo, stand up and walk sorts of things, but, but if you belong to Jesus, and if part of your belonging to Jesus has led you to work in the medical field, then your work is a work of healing and gospel proclamation. And when we as a church, when we, well, when we head over to Ebenezer and we help out in their food pantry and we give food to those in need, or when we help out with their basketball nights and we provide a safe place for people to, to gather and not need to fear that harm will come to them as they spend time playing basketball, as we've helped out at pads over the years and we've given the homeless a a safe place to sleep and some food to eat. As we do these things, as we give of our financial resources to help ministries around Chicago and around the world, we are fulfilling the call of this text to proclaim and to heal. This This is us, church, and this is God working through us. What does Jesus expect of us? Jesus still expects us to proclaim and to heal. And he expects that in a special way when we gather as the church and and when we reflect his word, because if we are proclaiming anything other than God's word, then we should not even be here. But as we gather and we hear God's word, and as we gather and we plan to do good in the world in Christ's name, and as we go out and we do those things, then we are doing a supernatural work of God in this world. God has given each one of us a stick of spiritual dynamite. And he's given us a match and he said, get out there and make some spiritual explosions happen. In my power and my authority, but get out there and do it. What kind of spiritual explosion is God calling you to make? And now for our last question for today. Who is Jesus for us? And we're going to focus on chapter 9, verses 7 to 9. And, and some people separate this out and think it's actually a different, different unit that you should pay attention to separately. But most people bring it together. 
And I think Luke wants us to hear these verses in a particular way. This is where Luke is inviting us to really pause and to reflect. And what's going on in these verses is that people are confused, and King Herod is confused. The relationship among rulers is a little complicated at this point, but King Herod's basically in charge of this area, and he's hearing all these rumors. People are saying, the prophet Elijah's come back, or some other prophet of old has come back, or, or maybe the last prophet of the old days is, is come, and, and a new kingdom is coming, or, or maybe John the Baptist has come back. And Herod's the guy who had John beheaded. He knows John ain't coming back, but he wonders what's going on here. There's all these reports and rumors swirling around, and Herod is really curious to see this for himself. And so Herod tries to see Jesus, and, and the verb tense that is used there is not Herod just tries for a little bit, but Herod, in an ongoing way, week after week, he keeps trying to catch up with Jesus. He wants to see some of this, some of this good stuff, some of this healing, some of these miracles. Herod wants to see it for himself. He wants to know who this Jesus is. And we think Herod's motivations are all wrong. When, when he finally gets Jesus in front of him toward the end of the gospel in Luke 23, and Jesus refuses to, do a, refuses to do a private sign, a private miracle for Herod, Herod packs him off to be executed, basically. Herod is asking the question, the right question, for the wrong reasons. But the Bible wants us to pause at this moment and to ask ourselves, who is this Jesus? And there's the information level. There's the who is this Jesus? Who is he in reality? Who is he objectively? And the answer is he is the son of God. He is our Lord and Savior. He is the king at the center of the universe. But even more than that, this, this text wants to push us to ask who is Jesus for you? Who is Jesus in your life? How do we follow Jesus? Are we following him? Looking back over the last week, have we really been living into the power and authority and the calling of Jesus Christ? Or has Jesus kind of been off there on the edge? And we talk to him sometimes, and we, we do love him with all our hearts, and we, we try to do what we can, but, but really that's, that's just kind of a lot. And we've got too much other stuff to deal with right now to really put Jesus at the front and center. Who is Jesus for us? And if we're really going to answer that question in the vibrant, life-giving, and, and powerful way that the Scriptures call us to, then we need to, we need to not look at ourselves and say, oh, I'm a failure, and oh, I didn't do that, and yes, I should have done more, and there was that time I didn't witness, and yeah, I should have picked up that extra shift at the hospital and done more good, and I just, I'm no good. Well, we are no good. But Jesus comes to us, and he gives us his power and authority and it is out of that that he invites us to minister. We do not minister in our own strength. We minister because of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Sometimes we will follow Jesus and it will seem like we fail utterly. There will be times when we do our best and it seems like the results are not what we wanted and not what we expected and we don't understand. A lot of the gospel story is, is Jesus' disciples following him and just not getting it. Saying, Jesus, aren't you supposed to be doing this and this and this and instead that and that and that's happening and, and we're doing our best here and there are all these good things, but, but it's just not there. 
sometimes we live on, on the front side of the resurrection, on the front side of Jesus' second coming, and we don't see how God is at work. But then there are other times. There are other times when God works in amazing and powerful ways. There are times that he does things that we can only ascribe to his supernatural power. And maybe recently you haven't seen that in your life, or maybe never, but, but if you've never seen it, I'd encourage you to look back over your life and think about how things have maybe worked out in ways you didn't expect. And we can. We can expect when we work in the power and authority of Jesus Christ that God will work. And there will be times when we have reason to look around and say, whoa, look at what God is up to. We have a congregational meeting in a little bit, and those things can tend to be a bit dry, right? We talk about numbers, we talk about this, we talk about that, and, and it's usually not that exciting. And it's, well, yes, those aren't the most important things, but, but our planning, our prayer, our preparation, our putting ourselves in a position where we are ready to act in God's power and authority is, is one way that we say to the Lord, we are ready. We are ready. And God, what are you going to do? And then there are moments when God works unexpectedly, sometimes in quiet ways, sometimes in tremendous ways. So my friend visiting the nursing home, he gets this, oh, you're here to do a healing. And his first response is, I'd better leave because if that's the expectation, I got nothing. But then as they're walking to the room and the nurse is showing him the way, he says, you know, I, I actually can't heal anybody. I, I really, I, I can't. I never have. That's not my gift. But God can heal people. And I serve a God who I really think can heal people if he wants to. And, and sometimes he heals people in amazing ways. And, and sometimes, you know, he heals people even through our suffering. And, and it really is amazing how God works and how, how God has worked in my life, how God has worked in the life of this person I'm going to visit. Have you ever seen God work in your life? And then this lady opens up and talks a little bit about, I got a bit of faith background, but never real serious about it. And, and suddenly there, there, there is this occasion to proclaim the gospel. Not loud, proud in your face in that particular moment, but just to say, you know, I think Jesus is at work in your life. I think the Lord is calling you to follow him. And, and maybe it's time to get back to church. Just... Just a quiet moment of proclamation and a little bit of healing there. And that is often how Jesus works. So church, what, what is God calling you to do with the spiritual dynamite he's given you? And maybe it'll be a big explosion we'll all hear about, and maybe it'll just be something that'll, that'll shake someone's life up a little bit for the good. But Jesus has given all of us his power. His power to proclaim and to live out the good news in this world. Let's grab hold of Jesus' power and get to work. Let's pray. Father, we sometimes wonder how you are at work in the world. And we sometimes wonder how you are at work in us. Lord, so often our lives seem so mundane. We see so much failure, so much mediocrity, so much day-to-day -day blah. 
Lord, we are thankful for how in looking at Revelation the last few weeks, we were able to catch a glimpse of the center of the universe and, and you there in all your power and glory and the saints around you. And, and Father, we pray that you do help us to see that vision. But Lord, we pray that you also translate that vision into our lives here and now. Help us, for each one of us, help us to see how we can follow you today. How we can put one spiritual foot in front of the next and and how we can not only walk in our ways ourselves, but also encourage others to come along for the journey. Lord, help us to follow you. We need your power. We need your strength. We pray all this in your name. Amen.